the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you today on this fine Thursday afternoon, Thursday of Holy Week. Holy Thursday, Monday, Thursday. And it's not Monday, Thursday. It's Monday, Thursday. And Did I say that right? Monday, Thursday. Monday, Thursday. There you go. Okay. And uh, it's good to be with you today. And we're really glad to have you this this day. Are you on vacation this week? Is it a week off for you or uh, or not? It used to be that we always had Easter vacation during Easter week back in the day, but uh, we stopped doing that. Anyway, wherever you are at work or driving home or maybe you're on vacation, it's really good to be with you today as it is every single day from three to five. And uh, you can give me a call and join the conversation at any time. 888-528-2557 is the number. That's 888-LA-TALKS. Triple eight five two eight two five five seven. You can also send an email to SoCalLive at KKLA.com. SoCalLive at KKLA.com. So I mentioned that today is Monday, Thursday, and I've been doing a little bit each day this week about what happened on each day. And you know what? Yesterday, I didn't get to it. I didn't get to, to Wednesday. I got so into the conversation about first responders, which was great, and the comments we got about police, all the calls. Really glad that you were part of that. And we had a serious conversation the second hour with some calls and some stories about the transgender issue, which is huge. And then I didn't get to it. And I don't want to miss it. So I'll try to do a little bit on Wednesday because we missed it. Holy Wednesday. That was yesterday. And uh, or Spy Wednesday. Did you know it's called Spy Wednesday? Uh, Some traditions uh, know that. And uh, it's not as cool as it sounds. It's Spy Wednesday because they believe, scholars believe that it's on Wednesday that – Judas finally met with uh, the priests and uh, hatched the scheme to betray Jesus. So it was the sneaking around, that kind of thing. Because otherwise, we don't really know a lot about what happens on Wednesday, but we had a good couple of good ideas. There's a bunch of things going on. But we know the Passover is coming, if you follow all of this. And um, so the Jesus and his boys, they, they went to Costco at some point, I'm sure. Most of them went to Costco anyway. Judas had another appointment. And uh, we'll get to that. Uh, maybe a little bit later, but today is actually Holy Thursday, Monday Thursday. I don't want to miss today. We have a lot better idea of what happened on Monday Thursday, and so I've got some stuff for you there. Now, before we get to some of that, and it's going to relate, it's going to relate. So bear with me, stay with me. We're going to relate it, but I want to get to uh, what is I think the top news story of the day, and it's the Elon Musk story that Elon Musk is now going to buy Twitter, or he's at least put a bid in for that. I don't understand why he has to ask permission. I guess they can shoot it down, and that will probably happen. Uh, he says he's got a plan B. But for, uh, what, $41 billion, he can buy Twitter because he has that in his wallet. Uh, I, he can do it. And, you know, here's the initial question. If you, I'm going to explain why this is a story, and then I'm going to ask you, you know, why you should care or maybe why you shouldn't care. And I'm going to show you why it's related, why there is a way that we can attach this, especially for Christians. It is this important week, and we need to – slow down. We have all this news that is crazy. The things in New York, the the war in Europe is terrible. Uh, The new information coming out of there is really bad. We've got inflation at eight and a half percent. There's a lot of of 
of difficult news that is affecting us personally. And, you know, that that is a distraction a bit. Let's not get distracted from the fact that this is the week where we have the stage, where if you're a believer, we've got the platform. People are talking about Jesus, whether they believe in him or not. He's on the cover of magazines in the supermarket. He's We got Easter stories, Easter banners, Easter, Easter, Easter. People are inviting people to go to church in Easter. That's good. And if you haven't invited people to go to Easter services where you live, uh, your people that you work with, let me tell you something. And I can tell you as pastor, your coworkers, if they know you are a believer, which hopefully they do, and you have not asked them to go to church with you, they're wondering why. They might say no. They might have no desire to go with you, but they aren't noticing that you haven't because it's Easter. It's like, uh, you know, you invite people to the big, the big deal that's important to you. You can, you can, there's so many different ways to do that. And we've had times when people who you might work with actually do show up to church on their own and they didn't know it was your church. And then they see you and they're like, oh, you go here. Well, thanks for the invite. And then you feel terrible, you know, that you didn't do it. So, uh, it's not, and I, I don't want you to lead you astray in saying it's all about inviting people to church. It's really about the relationship, okay? But Easter, it's a good week. People go. It is cultural, and you know maybe people aren't even going for the right reason sometime, or they're just going because it's cultural. But you never know when the Holy Spirit is going to land that gospel story in their heart. You never know that this isn't the week. You're going to church because your mom's making you go, because grandma likes it when you go, because your spouse wants you to go, your kids want you to go. And, uh, you know, our church, we're having baptisms on Easter, which is my favorite day to have baptism. And so there's going to be people who go, they're really going because their friends are getting baptized. Go, invite your, invite your people. But you got to invite, you got to have build a relationship. We'll talk about that another time. Uh, but let's let's make sure that we weave this into the conversation today. And for Christians out there, let's really ask ourselves, what are we putting our hope into? Where is it that your hope actually resides? What is it that you expect Jesus to be doing in the world? And maybe that expectation is wrong. That's a big theme of Holy Week is a lot of people waving palm branches and welcoming Jesus in. By the time you get to Wednesday and Thursday, they are ticked. Religious people ticked. They're religious people who are not seeing Jesus on their side. And they thought Jesus was on their side. They thought when he came in, oh, he's going to be on our side. He's the Messiah. And they had been taught by their own traditions for so long that Jesus believes what I believe and Jesus is on my side. Where are you at with that? So initial question, and you'll see how this maybe ties together in a minute. Uh, The Twitter thing is a big deal because it's about free speech. I don't know if you're, you know, and we live in this interesting time and it's it's relevant for us as believers that our, our speech might be hindered and online, you know, the whole idea that other organizations can tell, decide what is correct information and, and what isn't, especially that's relevant when we don't really know and people take sides. And we've seen a lot of this in the social media, okay? Free speech. It's interesting times that we live in because private companies are engaging in speech platforms uh, that include news. Uh, Twitter, if you're not on Twitter, you're not alone. Most people are not on Twitter. The crazy thing about Twitter is that it is by far the most influential globally of social media. And I think it's the smallest of the big ones as far as the number of people who are actually there. There's a number of fake people on there, but like all of them, uh, I'm not just talking about hypocrites. I'm talking about actual computers that are on there. But Twitter is incredibly powerful. 
you might notice that when you watch your local news and the reporters come on, the anchors as well as the people who are out in the field on a location, they put their name on there and they say, hi, I'm so-and-so. And right below their name is usually the at symbol and their Twitter handle. With Sometimes you have a little Twitter logo, a little blue bird, if you've ever wondered what that is. That's, what the, that's what's there. And I don't recommend getting on Twitter if you're not. If you're not on Twitter, good for you. It'll steal your soul. It's just, it's just a miserable thing. And, you know, social media is uh, – I don't know if, if we're going to survive it. I think we have somehow, we just don't know how to handle it. We, a lot of people, I know a lot of you suffer from comparisonitis where you see other people posting their family pictures on their Facebook or Instagram and they're always having a good time. You know, everybody's smiling and look at where we are. We're in Hawaii. We got to go on this trip. Isn't that nice? And what you don't see is everybody yelling at the kids and the husband and wife aren't getting along and there's cockroaches in the room because it wasn't as nice as you thought it was online. There's so many problems. And maybe you're going to Hawaii and you're having a good time, but you put it all on your credit card and it's going to ruin your life and debt. You know, all that stuff you don't put on there. But for some reason we, we see, and this is very clinical, right? We see the pictures of people having a life that somehow we covet and we wish we had that life. And we don't know anything about it. Actually, if you really got into it, you you might actually like everything you've got better. And you have to just deal with what you like. Anyway, it really harms people. And then it brings out the worst. I mean, Twitter is, it can be informative. It can be powerful, especially in a live event. It can save your life. Well, there's an active shooter going on, bam. And somebody hits the Twitter machine and everybody nearby gets it. Uh, The news, when there's an event going on, you get a better picture sometime of the news because of Twitter. And then at the same time, it brings out the absolute worst of humanity. And I'll tell you something else. It brings out the worst of Christians, absolutely the worst. It is for me on there. Sometimes I'll click, I'll see somebody ranting about something and then I do the worst thing possible. I click on their, I click on their profile and they've been cussing, they've been yelling and they are uh, just going off on somebody somewhere. And then you go to their profile and it says, lover of Jesus, Jesus, follower, follower of Christ and uh, all this sort of happy stuff. And you go, man, you're you know, please take that out of your profile if you're going to act like that on here. So lots of questions about it. But here's, here's kind of why the, the Elon Musk thing is, is taking over the news today. Number one, he is a wealthy man, obviously, and he has decided to buy the company. So the timeline has been he has been frustrated with Twitter because of some of the restrictions. It's a private company. They can restrict people however they want. But it's very controversial because the social media, the socials, Twitter have been, and it's it's demonstrative, are censoring people who are more on the right of things than on the left. So there's a lot of people, particularly on the right, who have been upset about uh, being banned from Twitter. In some cases, during the COVID period of time, people said things that were either banned or they were flagged with a little note that says, this is misinformation. For example, a year ago, if you put on Twitter that if you get vaccinated, you are still contagious and people around you can get it. Well, that was not the narrative that we had hoped to be true. And it was flagged as misinformation. And you might have been uh, taken off temporarily or there would be something attached to your, your comment that says this is misinformation. But it turns out that actually you were right. Whether you knew you were right or maybe you were guessing is, is different. But it turns out now, today, a year later, we know. Well, you get vaccinated and it should keep you from, from uh, death and the most severe um, consequences of it, but otherwise you can pass it to everybody just the same. And that's what we understand to be uh, true today. And so it's controversial that a year ago when you said that, even though it was true then, you were 
the organization would tell people that you weren't telling the truth. And it really culminated with the banning of Donald Trump from Twitter right after January 6th. The president of the United States was banned permanently from Twitter uh, because of all the fallout from January 6th. And it created a lot of question about, well, even if somebody is not truthful or if they're wrong or if they have an idea that we don't like, or what if they're saying something that could be true and it's just not following kind of whatever the, the narrative is of the day, should we ban it? ban that person? Should we be flagging something as misinformation when actually it's just an opinion that one side has over the other? And so a lot of people believe that it's bias, and and I think they're probably right. People on the right, what they have been doing is starting their own Twitter services like uh, social media, and maybe you're on some of those, but if you are, you've probably noticed that nobody quotes them. Nobody's using Parler on the news and Trump Social or Truth Social is what's I want to say Trump Social. That's Donald Trump's new one that he gets to be on, which apparently he hasn't even used other than one tweet. And it's been a disastrous rollout. And it's probably not going anywhere. And so Elon Musk said, well, I'm going to start my own a couple of weeks ago. And then he decided, you know what, I'm just going to fix the one that's there. And he bought almost 10% of Twitter one day. And he was invited to join the board, which you can do if you have that much stock. And he thought about it, and he got involved a little bit, and then he pulled out and said, no, I'm not joining the board. I'm going to do something else. And this morning he filed uh, with the SEC a bid to do a hostile takeover and buy all the shares, buy the entire company, and turn it into a private company. And a lot of where he's coming from is he wants a free speech platform is what he says. Uh, This is what he had to say. Here's a clip from Elon Musk talking about this at uh, a TED conference interview. And a good sign as to whether there is free speech is, uh, is, is someone you don't like allowed to say something you don't like? And if that is the case, then we have free speech. So that's kind of his idea. And, and that is something that we're seeing is a big problem in our country, right, is that we seem to be silencing people who we don't like what they have to say. Either they're annoying and we don't like them and so we, we shut them out or we just don't like what they're saying. And we feel like we have a right to to stop them from speaking at all, right? This has been a huge problem in our college campuses that is so strange when you think about what college was about 30 or 40 years ago and free speech and, and the free ideas, free exchange of, of ideas, these, these sort of liberal universities and being able to say everything, and now you can't. And that has translated to online where people are banned and there's algorithms, Google – last week was accused, and I think this is also true, of deliberately marking conservative candidate, Republican candidate male as spam, but Democrat uh, male as not spam. And so you would read the Democrat stuff in your, your junk mail, your, your mail, it would show up in your regular mail, but all the Republican stuff would go to your junk mail. And I can tell you that if, from my perspective, that is true. I don't sign up for any of it. I can't stand it. I don't know how they get my email address. It's probably attached to voter registration. I think it is. I think that's how they get it. So both parties can go in and get your number, your phone number, and your email address if it's attached to your, your voter registration, and they're allowed to use it, okay? So they gather that information, and then they put you in their email system. If you wonder why you get political emails, uh, that's a big part of it. it also, if you're engaged in politics and going to sites, you get – tagged and that's how you get it. And I can tell you right now, most of the stuff that is further to the right, it goes to Gmail spam. Most of the stuff that's further to the left is right in my inbox. And when that came out, I said, oh, that's true. I've noticed that for a long time. I check my spam because it worries me that people are sending me stuff that actually goes to spam and I find some important things in there sometimes. 
Anyway, all this to say, uh, there's a lot of concern about this. And I'm wondering what you think. Are you cheering on Elon Musk for buying Twitter? Do you care? Is it important that this happens? Do you feel like that there is some kind of victory for free speech if he does this, if he pulls this off? Um, Not just for Twitter, but will there be reverberations in other companies? Will other billionaires follow suit and start buying companies? Is this something that we should do? Do you think that this will make an impact for the better or maybe the worse for our culture? What do you think? 888-528-2557. And uh, I'd love to know what you think about this. One of the things I'm wondering is how how much of our hope are we putting in things like this from happening? Because I, I will say, from my perspective, I think you have to have free speech on these platforms. I think there are certain things maybe you can't have on there. You can't have people inciting riots. And I'm not saying that that's what Donald Trump did. I think that's overblown to a certain degree. I don't think he should have done things the way he did it. It's a whole other conversation. But, uh, you know, I don't think he intended on everybody you might disagree. That's fine. Uh, you know, charging the uh, injuring the Capitol. I think he intended on everybody going down there and chanting, and maybe there was some plot with uh, some legal maneuverings. I don't think that uh, an invasion of the Capitol was the plan, uh, but it might have been for some people that day. There were definitely some bad actors. Do you ban somebody for that? There's a lot of people who have done far worse who are not banned on Twitter. Uh, the leader of Iran, who's a terrorist, he's on there, and he's not banned. There are lots of things on there that are pretty terrible. And it is a reflection of our society and who we are. Christian, let me ask you, how does it matter? Does any of this matter to you at all? Are you hopeful for this? Are you, do you see this kind of thing, not necessarily Elon Musk, but maybe as something that helps your, the direction of politics that you want things to go in? Does it help 2024? People are getting ready to announce their candidacies for 2024 already. Um, Some people have. Donald Trump has all but said he's running. We don't know for sure. President Biden says he's running, but nobody believes that. So there are Democrats who, including our our Governor Newsom, article today saying that he's already running for president. And I think that that is true uh, based on some of the things that he's putting out there for sure. Governor Newsom could be the next president. He's running. Nobody thinks Biden, you know, they're waiting for Biden to make a statement about it at some point. Uh, and maybe Biden will run. I just, I don't think so. I think he's done um, in one term, if he makes it that far. Lots of people are doing that. What do you hope? And does it matter? Let me get into some other things here as you think about that. 888-528-2557. That's the number. 888-528-2557. From my point of view, I hope he buys Twitter. Uh, I think it would make that maybe a better platform, but maybe it doesn't. Maybe it just makes it worse. Uh, we have no idea. Maybe he just maybe it's just a way for him to make more money. He does all of this stuff. He buys a bunch of shares. Stock price goes up. He decides not to. Stock price goes down right after he sells, and he makes a bunch of money. Uh, maybe that's the thing. I don't know Elon Musk personally. Do you? I have a friend who was fired by Elon Musk personally, a good friend, and it's a great story. He was in a group of working with a group of engineers on a a top-secret project, and there's many, and uh, they were instructed to do something scientifically, and they came back with the conclusion that what Elon Musk was asking them to do is mathematically and scientifically impossible. Like, it's just not possible within the realm of physics as we understand them. No one can do it. 
And he didn't like that answer, so he fired all of them. And <laughs> I kind of like that, actually. In fact, my friend, he wears that as a badge of honor. You know, he's like, well, what he wanted us to do was not actually possible. Um, and he fired all of us because he didn't want to hear it's not possible. That's why Elon Musk is who he is, I think. It may not actually be possible, but he'll push that envelope as far as he can. 888-528-2557. Daniel in Arcadia, welcome to Southern California Live. How are you doing? I'm good, Daniel. No, I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you what you're saying. I mean, it's kind of a good thing. I, I don't know if it's a good thing. I understand why he's buying the company, and I hope it maybe is. I hope he uses it as a platform for free speech, but I think it'll just anger people on the left in a sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, maybe people on the left will go and, and start their own Twitters the same way that people on the right yeah, are doing maybe, right now. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. But I think I think if he uses it, whether he uses it for, I mean, I don't see him as a Christ follower, but whether he uses it just as a, as a uses his influence as a, as a platform for free speech, I think it would benefit us as Christians at all. You don't think it benefits us as Christians at all? No, I think I think it will benefit. Oh, you think us it will? As Christians at all. Yes. I don't okay. think it'll be life changing, but I think it'll help. It just gives people an opportunity. Let me ask you this question, and here's what, we're going to go to break in a minute. Here's a, a question for everybody, okay? With this idea of people on the right who decide, well, I don't like this, so I'm going to go start my own, and we're just going to leave. We're going to leave where the actual conversation is happening to have our own conversation over here. And you're saying, and I think you're right, if he buys it and if it moves to the right, then people on the left are going to do the same thing. They're going to say, well, let's have our own Twitter over here. Should we as Christians start our own Christian version of Twitter or of anything else, or should we stay in the marketplace where the conversation is happening with non-believers? What do you think we should do? Should we have our own Twitter? Should there, should there be Christian Twitter? Should SoCal Live start Christian Twitter? I don't think, by doing that, I don't think we'll be spreading the word of Christ, though. Yeah, I think, I think we're, we would separate ourselves and we'd be talking to ourselves. All right, I gotta go. Right. I gotta take a. I gotta take a break, Daniel. But I think this is worth the discussion here. And there are reasons for this over time because over time the church has fluctuated on this. Do we stay engaged on social media platforms? Do we stay engaged with corporations who might be doing things that are anti-Christian? Do we ban them? Do we boycott them? Do we start our own version of the same thing? Or do we stay engaged? And if so, what does that mean? How do we do that? If you have any thoughts about that, give us a call. Southern California Live, 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. This is the Thursday edition of SoCal Live. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Things. We've been talking about free speech as the news story of the day is Elon Musk's purchase of or uh, attempted hostile takeover, I should say, of Twitter offering to buy the whole company. Is this the, the right way to go? Should Christians, and I'm not saying this is a Christian thing here, but rather than start our own thing, you know, there's Christian schools, Christian music, Christian this and that. Should we always have, should there be Christian social media? where we pull out of Facebook and Twitter, should there be Christian social media? Should there be Christian Disneyland? We come up with our own mouse, and, uh, you know, you have, instead of the 12 dwarfs, we have the uh, 12 disciples, 
and you've got the uh, you know the Judas ride that uh, ends badly. Uh, there's all kinds of uh, you know there's all kinds of funs there. You could have Peter walking on the water, and you walk out on some water, and you if you're walking in the right place, just if you look at the Jesus character, you know you're okay. But if you take your eyes off, you fall into the water. There's all kinds of ideas that we could have for for that kind of theme park. Should we do that? Um, and what does it mean if we don't? Do we pull out of just the conversation? What do you think? 888-528-2557. Shirley in La Cunata, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, Scott. I Hi, want Shirley. to let you know that I appreciate your show and your balanced approach and your wide range of knowledge on many topics. Well, thank you. Um, regarding Ellen Musk, Rather than commenting on him specifically as, there's, two, there's several issues, but first of all, I do believe in free speech. That's what the United States has stood for, and it's upsetting, you know, all these different trends, canceling people and whatever. However, I think having one person have Power and control can corrupt. It doesn't matter mm. who the person is. Yeah. So I would be weary of one person taking control of Twitter. I don't use Twitter. I don't have the energy for all of this. <laughs> yeah, well, don't, don't work up the energy for it. It's not really worth it. But I wasn't prepared to comment on your second question, but I will. Oh, yeah. On the Christian whatever, I'm afraid that, like it says in Disneyland, our relationship with Christ needs to be in our heart. And I just might be doing a whole disservice to that, to Christianity. Mm. If, if, you know, there are. There was a place I went somewhere. Oh, it was in Florida. You know, they have that Disney World and whatever. Right. But they, they have a place that's old time. Um, that was nice. But it, it was just a place where somebody spoke. Yeah. Do, but it wasn't um, overly done or anything like sure. that. Sure. Do, do you think that Christians should ever start our own thing? I might send my kids to Christian schools. Um, both for the the moral teaching, but also the education. Um, so, in you know, from where I'm coming from, my actions clearly, I think that we should have Christian schools, and I'm sending my kids to them. Um, but is that even the right thing? Is it, you know? And uh, thank you for any of you weren't uh, ready to comment on that. I thank you for your comments about Elon Musk, Shirley. Thanks for calling. Um, should Christians start their own version of Twitter? Should Christians? Um, Maybe like what you're saying, Shirley, are we putting all of our trust into one guy too much? Absolute power corrupts absolutely is the old phrase. Um, and are we are we looking as is the church is are Christians putting their hope, let's say, in Elon Musk saving Twitter so that there's better free speech for Christians? And woe is us if it never happens. Or what about some of our opinions about political figures? A lot of Christians put a lot of hope and trust into Donald Trump, and maybe Donald Trump's going to get reelected. Is that going to change the direction of our country spiritually? 
Uh, do we, is that where our hope is? Are we, do we have hopes that um, maybe there's another candidate on the left or right? You know, there's a big rise of uh, Christian, Christian, the Christian left is coming. Is there a candidate on the left that if only this person got elected, things would be better? Do Christians have an issue with this? All of are we falling, right? Yeah. Doesn't matter who the person is or what party they are. They're all falling. That when you are in a position of leadership, you have a greater responsibility. <clears throat> and um, hopefully, yeah. like a humility, you know, where. Mm-hmm they would be feeling the responsibility and um, they need to be before the Lord, at least if they were Christian. And right. if they weren't, they would yeah. be humbling us to... Hey, right. Shirley, i gotta, I got to move on. Shirley, I appreciate your call very much. And uh, 888-528-2557 is the number. You know, when we look at Holy Week and some of the things that have happened, a lot of what the, the deal is, and this is for religious people, Okay, in Holy Week, religious people who welcomed Jesus as the Messiah and they welcomed him in as the king. They had expectations for Jesus. And then on Monday, maybe Sunday night, maybe on Monday, he uh, throws the money changers out of the temple. And he says, this is supposed to be a house of prayer, not a den of robbers. That offended an awful lot of people. There were some very likely some astute political people who said, oh, that's not good. He's he's going to people are coming after him. And then by the time you get around to Wednesday, it's called Spy Wednesday because that's the day when Judas had had enough. Um, And people believe that it's called Spy Wednesday because that's when the plot was hatched. You know, something that's interesting about that is some people believe that Judas took off irritated after a certain story that we skip a lot, but it's a huge part of the Easter story. It's uh, the anointing at Bethany. Do you know the story? Matthew 26, verse 6. It says, while Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. The perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I tell you, whenever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And Jesus predicted correctly because we are um, talking about her right now, 2,000 years later. You know, what's interesting about this is that even the disciples had expectations of Jesus that were wrong. They didn't understand where he was going. They thought that she should have sold this money for herself, maybe, that she could have made some money on it or maybe given to the poor because they needed it. And obviously this must be what Jesus thinks, right? And there is something that happens and that comes out with all sides, actually, during Holy Week, where people believe that Jesus is on their side. And it turns out Jesus isn't on anybody's side. And the call actually is for us to be on Jesus's side. And I think that for us as Christians, you know, we have to ask ourselves, do we go through life thinking that Jesus is on our side or do we go through life saying to ourselves, we need to be on Jesus' side and therefore, Jesus, what would you have me do in this place where you've, you've put me? 888-528-2557. This is SoCal Live. Uh, Dr. Marvin Stewart from Long Beach, welcome to Southern California Live. 
Well, good afternoon, Scott. I I know you have raised another topic here, but I just briefly wanted to respond to the prior topic. And, sure. And that's regarding Christians, and uh, we're talking about the public forum and Elon Musk and his purchasing uh, majority stock and his anticipated actions with... Uh, but, you know, I my response would be that the Lord told us to go ye into all the world and make disciples thereof. Yeah. And so that's a public forum. And even though that public forum is being the forum in which Twitter, Facebook, and all the rest of them share, are, are sharing at the behest of the people of the United States, because it is their, it is their tax dollars that has funded those platforms. And we see the government with Section 230 uh, has given them the opportunity to serve in the forum which they're they're operating in, but they don't have that authority to tell somebody what they can say and what they can't say, regardless yeah, of who's controlled it. It's a very interesting issue because uh, that that question of authority, I think it has to get resolved eventually. That's part of the Elon Musk issue. Is um, you know, is it a utility? In which case the government is going to have more to say, or is it a private company entirely, which means they can do what they want. Uh, but I think what you're saying, uh, Dr. Stewart, is that Christians need to not leave the marketplace just to start their own thing, that we need to go into the world. Is that what you're saying? We're called to go into the world and make disciples of them. Yes. Make, that's a mandate. It is a mandate. In fact, today, Monday, Thursday, it means mandate Thursday. Um, and the mandate is the, the the call for making disciples would come later, but the mandate is to love other people as I have loved you, Jesus said. That's the mandate, and he's about to show us how he loves. And on Monday, Thursday, he washed people's feet. Thank you for calling, Dr. Stewart. i got to take a break here in a second. Um, I think Dr. Stewart is right here that there's too much of a, a movement sometimes for Christians to leave the marketplace where we're supposed to be making disciples. But the the problem that we also have to face is what do we do and how do we behave when we're in the marketplace and where are we putting our hope? I mean, I would challenge you if you are a person today who is, is thinking that Elon Musk is going to save us or that Donald Trump is going to save us or that uh, Joe Biden is going to save us or Kamala Harris or Pete Buttigieg or whoever or Gavin Newsom, um, Ron DeSantis, whoever the next big big populist preacher is, whoever that person is, um, you should check your heart and check this story this week because people had expectations of Jesus and what side is he on? And his command, what Monday Thursday is about, is the mandate to love other people as he has loved us. It is a new command that Jesus gave us. That's what Monday Thursday is about. And he has the, the Last Supper and he does the Passover meal, and before he is arrested in all of this, he washes the disciples' feet. Uh, that's the example. How do we wash each other's feet on Twitter? In a digital world today, how do we stay engaged and not just get outraged or push an agenda of our, our politics, even if we think we're right? Where is it? Where are the Christians who are following Jesus' command today and making that number one. You can give me a call, 888-528-2557 is the number, 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. You can also send an email to SoCalLive at KKLA.com. This is a Thursday edition of SoCal Live. We'll be back in just a moment with your calls. Don't go away.
All right. Welcome back, everybody. SoCal Live, Thursday of Holy Week, Monday, Thursday. Thanks for joining us today, 888-528-2557. We have been talking about whether Christians should separate and have their own Twitter or their own Disneyland or their own things, or should we stay involved, and then what do we do? We're responding to the Elon Musk situation, and I'm wondering, where do we put our trust? And are we too interested in uh, these things working to our advantage, meaning our advantage to the church? Christian, you know, where are where is your trust? A big theme of Holy Week is that we need to focus on Christ and his kingdom and not expectations that we have for what Jesus might do for our own little kingdoms. That's a big problem. We have that problem in our own lives and our own churches. I mean, how often shouldn't we be working with other churches for the benefit of the kingdom of God? But it's hard to do because we want to put our label on it and say, yeah, we'll work with other churches, but everybody needs to come to our church because uh, we have a better show or we have a better location or we have a better pastor or we have whatever. It's hard. And uh, Paul addresses this in Corinthians. Some people are of Paul. Some people are of Cephas or Peter. Some people are of Apollos. Where is our focus? 888-528-2557. Hector, welcome to Southern California Live. Hello, Scott. Good afternoon. Um, I'm just calling in regards of the whole uh, Twitter thing, but I want to take it more to, like, uh, to me, it's very terrifying just to think that we're putting trust in in a man, you know, because um, Um. I'm pro-life. I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus, and that's it. Yeah. And uh, I feel that uh, when the whole Trump thing was going on, I was very opposed to that because I even told my sister once, because she's like, who should I vote for? I'm like, you have to talk to God, pray to God. He'll put in your heart who to vote for. But I don't, but you, don't, you shouldn't be cheerleading for a political party and for a president, uh, for a man. So that's my perspective. That's my position. And I'm very, very uh, opposed to the idea that Christians are like cheerleaders for a political party, because at the end of the day, men will always, always fail us. Mm. Not just because they say, oh, I'm a Christian, or because I can just say I'm a Christian, but that doesn't say, that doesn't really mean anything if my actions are not. I can just say, like I just said earlier, I'm pro-life, but that doesn't really mean anything. You have to, the fruits of your of the Spirit, you know? So... I don't think if Elon Musk is going to help, oh, well, thanks. Thank you, God. He's putting someone that will let us put our tweets there, always promoting God, always promoting pro-life. If they take it down, oh, well, what, what are we going to do? But I feel like we want to fight that. Like, we, 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 oh, if you're a Democrat, I'm against you. I want to fight you. No, and I don't think that should be our position. And I think we made that mistake during the elections last year. It was like, like Christians against Democrats. And I'm very 100% opposed to that, and I just wanted to share that with you. All right, Hector, thank you for your call. You know, there is a time, I think, for us as believers. I do think that maybe that's even, you know, I look at the the presidential elections, any election really, God is deciding that ultimately. Uh, The Scriptures are very, very clear that God sends us the leaders. Uh, and I think that there are reasons that are way outside of policy. Obviously, God doesn't agree with every policy of every person who is ever in office, and there's an accountability that people who are in leadership have that is scriptural, that when they stand before God, they have to be accountable to the to God for the authority that they were given and how they used it. Uh, that's something very, very real. But God has a plan. He has a plan to bring about his kingdom. 
And the mistake we make is that we think that somehow um, we get we get so worked up sometimes. And I'm talking to Christians here, okay? And I'm talking to people kind of on all sides. But as Christians, sometimes we get so worked up about whoever is on our side and whether they win or lose that we forget that God has a greater plan. That's exactly what's happening in uh, Holy Week. I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in the next hour, uh, very specifically the politics that were going on during Holy Week, because it comes into play on Monday, Thursday, and the expectations that people have. And for Christians, we've got to do this. I think it's fine to get behind a political candidate and go out there and campaign. And, and honestly, Christians need to vote. If You know, all the stuff that we've been talking about, the transgender issues, the homeless issues, the um, human trafficking issues, the crime issues, gun issues, you name the issue. Ultimately, there is a a philosophy of government that multiple people have been a part of that has led us to where we are, and there has been a a a time in our country where more than half the people don't usually vote at all, and that's true for Christians as well as everybody else. You know, what are we doing? And and do we think that the only time to get interested in an issue is during election time, and then after November is over, we just say, well, I don't care about that for another two years? There is so much more that we can do and be involved. I think there's a better way. Buren from Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi. Uh, it's interesting that you were talking about getting involved after the election is over. But in order to do that, we have to have freedom of speech. So Twitter, uh, where I guess at one time it was a platform that uh, allowed freedom of speech, now it's not. So I think Elon Musk, uh, purchasing Twitter is not a hostile takeover. I think it's actually a very positive thing. In a free country, he has the money to do it, so I think he should. Well, it's legally uh, considered a hostile takeover, with, but it's, you know, I understand what well, you're saying. You said earlier that you said earlier that you are not taking over, uh, purchasing Twitter is a hostile takeover. I, I disagree. I think it's positive. Well, I, yeah, uh, I think that what's hostile is uh, Disney serving the radical homosexual agenda beyond the throats of our children, that's vile and hostile. So how do we respond? How, yeah, I think that you might be misunderstanding what I mean by hostile takeover. It's a, it's a legal term. If you're taking over a company because you can afford to buy them out and the company officials don't want you to do that, then it is hostile. It's considered, it's just a legal term. But I understand the, the nuance that you're saying about the hostility, and, and that's what people feel, right, that Twitter has been hostile towards free speech and that some of the moves that Disney or other companies are making are hostile towards Christianity or hostile towards a Judeo-Christian culture by pushing other agendas. And so a lot of yeah, what I'm... It's not just, Go ahead. Yeah, it's not just hostile to Christianity. Uh, you know, for example, Twitter, uh, when, when they blocked Trump, you know, the newly elected uh, president elected twice... Uh, when they blocked him, uh, you know, I started, uh, I started, uh, you know, uh, tweeting things that he was saying since he couldn't do it himself. I mean, they blocked me from Twitter. But do you so, feel like? Uh, let me just ask you this question: Do you feel that we feel like that's uh, more important? You know, as Christians, are we so tied up in whatever uh, Twitter's doing, or our feelings about the elections, or our feelings about these things that we're missing the bigger? point of what God might be doing. It's all very important because you just said that we have to be involved in the election. You said half Christians don't vote, half of the Americans don't vote, so obviously we're not engaged enough. Yeah. 
we have to be engaged after the election is over. And so you already said that Twitter is the most influential social media platform for getting out this type of uh, messaging. So that's why I'm saying yeah. that uh, allowing uh, free speech to be robbed uh, on the most influential social media can't be tolerated. All right. That's why I'm saying that you know, I'm not taking uh, role purchasing. I got I got to go, Buren. I'm almost out of time. I got one more comment I got to do before we go to a break. I appreciate your call. You know, I think that the way he feels is where a lot of us feel, um, and maybe you feel like that on on all kinds of different issues. But is is our passion for these things focused in the wrong place? And you know, I'm getting at this is like who I think that Twitter is influential from a news standpoint because. For whatever reason, the few people who are on there, they do drive the news. Whenever Donald Trump was on Twitter, he'd tweet something in the morning and that would drive the news. He could tweet something ridiculous and people would talk about it all day. And just on Twitter, even though, what, a million and a half people is all who really are engaged on there, something like that. It's powerful. But as as Christians, how do we engage with this without being part of the problem? Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, we are told... Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body, and in your anger do not sin. Uh, Later it says, do not let any, verse 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Can I just challenge you here in the last minute that we've got, that we have to be really careful as Christians. And Christians, some of what we put on our Twitter, some of what we think is just not truthful, and some, or we just don't know. You know, sometimes we we feel like it's truthful what we're saying, but there, we don't have really the 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 evidence to say so. And so we, it just kind of gets lost in all of that. And you know what's ultimately true? Let me tell you what's ultimately true about the last election. Maybe this will bug you, but it's just a fact. God put Biden in office. Whatever you think about the election, God is sovereign over the kingdoms of this world, and He puts them over anyone He chooses. And he put Trump in office. If you didn't like that in 2016, God did that. And Obama twice, and George W. Bush twice, and Clinton twice, and George H.W. Bush once, Reagan twice, Jimmy Carter once, and God was the only person who voted for Gerald Ford. And so when we look at that from that perspective, how do we move forward? You know, God's going to move his kingdom. That's what Holy Week is about. People thought that it was all politics. People thought it was all about rescuing Israel and getting the Romans out. And they killed Jesus because he wasn't on their side. Now, that was God's plan, and it's great that they killed him. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. They didn't know what they do. They were doing evil, but actually God was using that evil for good. And the evil that we have in our world, that's what God still does, by the way, is he'll use the evil for good and for his plan. I'm out of time this hour. We'll be back in just a few minutes. This is the Wednesday edition of Southern California Live. Stay tuned for Hour 2 in just a moment. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.